Uh, welcome to the Coffeehouse Footballcast. Uh, I'm Paul Cushing, and I'm here with Ryan Whiting, and we're going to talk about some of the games that have happened over the past week. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Newcastle Wolves, Arsenal, and Leicester, and the upcoming fixtures coming up this weekend, including the grand old Manchester Derby. And hopefully we can see Manchester United beat Manchester City and end this 21-game winning streak, because who wants to see that many wins in a row? Come on now. great comparison of kind of where Liverpool is right now and where Man City was like last year and kind of to a certain extent the year before as well um do you want to expand on that yeah let's um I want to talk about this because it, it's interesting um Liverpool have really struggled over the last uh, almost three months now um, since, I would say, like, mid-December, they, I think they've scored, they have not scored a goal in open play at home in nine hours. So almost ten matches, they have not scored a, game, a goal in open play. They've had, they've either gotten from free kicks or corners or, um, uh, what is it, uh, penalties. And um, they're, they're really, uh, this is the worst I've seen Liverpool in quite a long time. Um, and it, there, there's a, there are a whole bunch of different reasons, but I think, I think first and foremost, I think the reason is is that they're just exhausted. Over the last three years, they've probably played more matches than any other team in, in Europe. Maybe compared to possibly Barcelona, or um, you know maybe a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich. But Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich get a break during their season, um, and Liverpool have to keep playing. And Liverpool. Um, they're in this the third year of this cycle where the first year they they uh, they made it through the Champions League final and won it and beat Tottenham, and they were you know starting to create this monster of a team. The next year, they were they finished second to, to Manchester City and only lost by one point. And they, they I think they had ninety eight points that year. Man City had ninety nine. I mean, you're talking about like really elite, high 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 quality. And then the next year, they killed everyone. And they made they won the Premier League with like eight matches to go or something like that. They were they think there was one point they were twenty five one and one, you know they were ridiculously good, and so, and so, I think what's happening is that there's this big letdown after you know I think winning the Premier League title was such a took such an energy especially for Liverpool because they hadn't won in thirty years that there was going to be a letdown. And with the injuries and the exhaustion of the players and with, you know, I think Jurgen Klopp has been a little distracted. I think one of, uh, there's been a bunch of personal things in his life that have happened. I think uh, one of his parents had passed away or someone very close to him had passed away. Um, also, um, I think there's also this changing of a squad that needs to be done. I think there's been a lot of like little pieces here and there that have struggled. 
um, that um, that they're struggling right now. They're, they're having trouble staying up. I mean, I think they've been through like 15 defenders this year. It's, it's some ridiculous They number. do have I mean, an injury crisis. Yes, they have a huge injury crisis, especially at the back. Their midfielders are hurt. Like Jordan Henderson's out. Um, Fabinho finally came back recently. Um, you know, they've lost uh, Van Dyke, Gomez. Um, Matip has been out for most of the year, essentially. Um, even Kabak. Kabak's going to be out this weekend. They just signed him, you know. Uh, <laughs> they've been really struggling um, for, you know, for fitness for a lot of players. And then a lot of other players like Alexander Arnold and Robertson and um, Odin Sevetmane and, and Wijnaldum, they've all played a ton of games this year. And it's adding up. You can see, like, Alexander Arnold had a really tough period. I think part of it is just because he was exhausted. You know, these players have to run for 90 minutes, like, three times a week. And it does add up after a while. And you could see this last year with Manchester City. Manchester City was just finishing their three-year period of constantly fighting to be at the top. They set the record for the amount of points in the Premier League season with 100. That, I think it was, like, 2017-2018. And then the next year, they were pushed to the very last match against to, to, to Liverpool and had to win their last game. They actually, they actually reset the record because Liverpool beat the record by Man City um, in second place. No, they, I, no, I think it was that first year. I think they set the record the first year, and then the second year they were what, point less. But they, it was the highest two-team point total ever or something like think that. So. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think it was the, the... I don't remember the exact specifics. I think that they both had more points than that first year, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so like that the second year that they both competed that 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 um, they were like neck and neck throughout the whole season. It, it, the the Premier League title was was over literally a half an inch. Because when they <laughs> yeah. played each other, um, they when they played each other it was uh, I think they were at Man City and Liverpool had a chance and the ball was knocked off the goal line and it was literally the fraction of the ball. I think John Stones kept it out. That so. literally won them the title. That was it. That was the, that was the bit. Um, I would say that um, at the next year after they won that title, they they had a letdown. They were also going through this transition of what players were going to be mm-hmm. consistently playing for them. They were struggling for defenders. John Stones wasn't even in the team most of the time. He was struggling. Um, they also had a defensive crisis um, at the time. They were having Fernandinho play in the back. Um, even and then he would get hurt, and then they were kind of struggling for midfielders in the middle. And um, De Bruyne also, was hurt. De Bruyne was hurt. Sergio Aguero's not been fully healthy this whole time. He's been kind of in and out. He's, he's starting to get a little old. Yeah, he's starting to age a little bit. And there's also, you know, it got to a point where I think Guardiola was trying to find a way to play that would be able to, to work because of all the injuries. Um, and I think he started to slip from his very well-perceived style. And what ended up happening is um, they invested in some players. Um, you know, I am Rick Laporte, who has not been the healthiest, but he was brought in a couple, like, a couple years ago. He's finally been healthy and been playing a lot better, or play, playing playing more and playing a lot better. His pedigree is impressive. Yeah, he he's, is he's supposed to be like a generational yeah, defender. He's, he's an excellent player. Ruben Diaz has been absolutely excellent for them. They bought him in for this season. He's been awesome. They, Rodri's a newer player. He's been in the last like two seasons. He's been very. He's now starting to be a very good player. Gundogan, strangely, 
has been there for three or four years, but only this year has he really settled in and been. He's maybe been their best player over the last four or five months, and he's been scoring goals and creating and doing all these things. Um, They've been incorporating uh, Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, a little bit more. Um, uh, and the, the one of the biggest transitions is, um, as I was, I was reading earlier today from a Rory Smith article um, in the New York Times, is one of the biggest things is that um, that happened over the course of uh, a few months ago. They were still struggling at the beginning of this Premier League season, okay? The, the reason why they're at the top and, like, way ahead is that they've won 21 straight matches, which is just a crazy record. I mean, this is overall 62 competition. 62 points in a row. Yeah, 62 points in a row. Yeah, 60, yeah, this is a crazy number. Uh, and what ended up happening is... Um, 63. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I thinking, could do math. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember... Uh, there was a game that they played and they drew uh, recently. And, uh, and not recently, right before Christmas. And Guardiola left the match thinking, I hate watching this team play right now. <laughs> he, he said that he dislikes his team. So he went to his coaches, he went to his director, his sporting director. He's like, what do we need to do to figure this out? And the biggest solution he had was to go back to his basics, which is, if people don't understand what Pep Guardiola, what the big one of the, some of the biggest things of Pep Guardiola is, a lot of his work is based in positional possession, and positional possession is a very specific style of play where the players don't run as much, um, and they're put they put themselves in positions where um, they're constantly moving and breaking lines, and they're not having to move as much and run as much, and. Part of the reason why Guardiola wanted this to happen is because he felt his team was running too much and moving themselves out of position too much. And now what's happening is now that they're in position, possession all the time and, and in position all the time, they have the ball more. And when they lose the ball, they're in position to defend right away. And so not, a, lot, a lot of these mistakes that they were having in the past are no longer there. Um, and you're starting to see another evolution of this team. And um, they're not the best attacking team that Pep has had, um, but they may certain. I still think, I think I've brought this up in every podcast before, this is his best defensive team in, in that he's had, and it might be, I think it may be his best team that he's ever had. I know that's saying a lot because he's had Xavi and Iniesta and stuff, but the way they're so good defensively, and I know that he's had Messi and things like that, but I think they're so good defensively, or they're, they're the most balanced of the all of his teams. I shouldn't say he's the best because when you have Messi, it, it makes everything you better. Seen and you have Xavi the... I can't believe I said that. And you have Danny You should have seen the look Victor I Valdez. gave him when he was like, this is the best team we've ever had. And I was like, yeah, oh, better better than the Tikataka Barcelona side. I know, sides. I know, I know. It's, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. That 2011 Barcelona side was probably the best ever. <laughs> right, the greatest team of all time. I don't, I, I, I hate that I'm hyping this team because a lot of people don't want. Because like, it's Man City. It's Man City, obviously, but also too like the, I hate their the stupid blue shirts. <laughs> it's all the investment and all the things that they do as well that that you know you, you want to hate because yeah. it's been built by a rich owner, blah blah blah. But I, the reason why I'm I'm yes, that's why I hate them because they have a lot of money. <laughs> that's true. A lot of people do. I, I was gonna say the reason why I think they're so special is because uh, this team is so special is because they figured out what was wrong. You know, I think Guardiola's fault found his problem and solved it, and he's got the players in place to do special things now. And I do think they're going to win the Champions League this year. I think they are the favorites. I think they're better than Bayern. I think they're better defensively than Bayern. And yeah. I know that Bayern have a crazy attacking team, but they can be had defensively. 
And I know Neuer's an excellent keeper and can save them on a day. But, I mean, they give up some crazy chances sometimes. I'm just saying that this is one of his most balanced teams that I've ever seen them create. And he knows it, too. Because the way they play, they don't necessarily play to win a game like 4-0. They'll, they'll play 1-0, and they'll be very happy with it. Like, they played Arsenal a couple weeks ago, or 10 days ago or so, and guess what? They won 1-0, and they were happy with it. They controlled the game from the beginning to the end, and and that was it. But what I'm what I'm suggesting here is now, I think what you're going to see to for Liverpool to continue to grow is first they have to make the Champions League, which might be a tough thing. Um because there are a lot of other teams that are above them right now because they're seventh and they're struggling and they can't seem to get a win uh, when they need it. They lost to Chelsea yesterday 1-0. Um, they did not play well. They were actually quite bad for, for the most of that game. They were home. Um, they they, they had one chance in that entire game. Um, Mo Salah got taken off for not tracking back. Yeah. It was a tough, it was a tough match. And uh, I think... Um, they they're gonna have to figure something out to get to the champions to get to the Champions League next year. It might be actually winning the Champions League, which I just don't think is gonna happen. They just don't have enough. And um, go ahead. so, very famously, Sir Alex Ferguson said, "You only get the same team for three years. If you had to make changes to Liverpool right now, like Man City did, to get better, what would you do?" Real quick. Well, they have to make changes. Yes, I think um, I think there's um, I think Salah's gone next year. I think he's a target for Madrid or Barcelona or somewhere somewhere else. He's gone somewhere else. I think I think his time has run. I think you could look at Firmino possibility. I think you're talking that center midfield needs to be changed. They brought Thiago in. He's not a fit, mm-hmm. unfortunately. That's not a fit for the style. Or they're going to change the style of play. I think they. I think center defensively wise. It, now four guys got hit. I think they'll be fine. You know, they don't need. <laughs> right, a they ton have good of, defenders. They don't need a ton of changes, but I think attacking wise, there's something missing. I think the reason why they got, got uh, brought in Tiago is because he's a creative, controlling yeah. sort of player. Something that they don't have, and I I understand that. But I think they need something else. They need an attacking midfielder of some sort to break lines and to to do things for them. Or they need a winger who can. Like breakthrough. I think Sadio Mane has been great. I think he needs to, he needs to stay. He's the guy I think that, and I think they need to build and put other players around him to be better. Um, I can put out two names that might be of interest. Okay. I think that with Tuchel going in at Chelsea, yep, we could see a possible reunion of Klopp and Christian Pulisic. It's possible. I. I don't think it would be a move that Chelsea would hate as long as they got their money back. And then the other one that I would say is that the English winger that Man United most certainly wants to spend $200 million Oh, Jadon Sancho? Jadon Sancho. If they can move uh, Salah out for a decent sum, you might see Sancho move to Liverpool. Oh, I don't know about that. I I think it's a possibility. You know, actually, I was thinking of some, like... uh, other, I was thinking of like more uh, number ten type players. I think they're going to look at and a winger. I don't but, know. I don't know if Klopp likes number tens. But I think he, if they track back and do hard work, I think he likes them. But they have to do the defensive work in order to be part of it. And the thing is, is his style. His style does change with the players that he has. Like he didn't play the. He doesn't play. He never played the way he does with Liverpool that he did with the Dortmund. They did not play those long balls across the field sort of thing. That's they true. did That's... play a more direct style. They did have a slightly more direct play, but 
it was, I mean, he had Nuri Sahin and um, Kagawa who played for mm -hmm. United. He had some guys who could play in the middle. Yeah. And he had Lewandowski and all these guys in Goza. Yeah. But I, I just want to make it clear, do you think, I'm going to ask you, do you think Liverpool will be back to their normal selves next year, or do you think they're going to struggle again? I think Liverpool will bounce back if only because Virgil van Dijk is a good enough defender to keep everything close. If he comes back at a decent form, if he is like 90% of himself, okay. I think that they will still be a top six side. Okay. I think, yeah, I agree. I think they need a couple center midfielders and they need a winger, yeah. I think. And I think they need to figure out and a different way to attack because mm -hmm. I think people have figured it out to that system. They figured out the long balls. They figure out what place they places they like to be, and I think they need to figure out like they need a plan B. They've always had a plan A, and they've always pushed forward. And I don't think they can do it all the time. Do you know what I think is a distinct possibility? If Newcastle is relegated, yes, I think that Liverpool takes Miguel Almiron on the cheap, and I think that he does a very, uh, very reasonable Gigi Wijnaldum impression. You think he's he, you think he's that quality? I think that he works very hard. He would love the Gegen press and I think that he does have the ability to create goals. Um I think playing on a better team would certainly suit him a little bit better. I don't know if he's do I think that he saves a Le Liverpool team? Absolutely not. Do I think if you play him as like an attacking mid-type 10-type guy, I think he does a lot of what Klopp wants. Yeah, you think? I think he'd be like a good third piece. Right. Them. I don't like, think I don't he think saves them. Like, yeah, yeah. But I think that if they can get him for like $16 million, I think they will. Fair so. enough. Okay, that's cool. Uh, we have some games to check out, don't we? We do have a few that we were going to check on. You wanted to talk about... Newcastle and Wolves, the one-one draw. Yes. Um, so, speaking speaking of Miguel Almiron, terrible news. Uh, he is most certainly hurt. Yes. So is um, Saint Maximin, right? Yeah, uh, Alex Saint Maximin, and um, for those keeping score at home, Wilson, Kalen, Kalen Wilson. Oh, Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson, yeah. So those are our three best attackers, and uh, I've talked about this already once earlier on, but we're in a relegation battle, and those three are all hurt. Um, the 1-1 one -one draw was, was pretty deserved. Um, you know, it was... Well, what you th I thought they... they I watched some of that match uh, after on replay, and I thought they were pretty good again. Newcastle? Yeah, I thought yeah. they were good for a good period of the game. I think they've been, I think in some instances in the last few matches, they've been really unfortunate not to get more points. Like, I thought they deserved, I almost thought they deserved a points against, against United, Manchester United, because yeah. I thought they were really good for good portions. You have, you have been very, but that, so that's the rub with Newcastle. We look good sometimes, and this has been true for a very long time, and we just don't have the end product. We don't score the goals um, or we'll give up something bad because we get too far forward. And that's historically been, been the problem over the last few years is anytime we get in that moment where maybe we can snatch one away, we'll miss an easy chance or we'll, we'll miss a, you know. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I will say this. There's something different about how they've been playing recently. Yes. Yeah. Like two or three months. They, they look more coherent. They can actually move the ball a little bit better. 
Um, there's do, there's actually some kind of link up from back to front. Right. right. And I do think I do think they're they will stay up. Like I do I, I don't know about you, but I think they're gonna stay up. Uh, I mean, I think I think it's gonna be close. I don't. I I'm not gonna make a bet either way right now. I think it's gonna come within a couple points. I think Fulham will make a push. I think Newcastle is certainly going to look very bad um, a few more times this year. They have looked good. They are coming on a little bit stronger to end, probably. And I mean this in the nicest possible way. Probably some of them are starting to be like, oh wait, I I might not have this job next year, <laughs> like. Um, and they're probably playing a little bit harder. Uh, John Joe Shelby just did, he's my, he's like a punching bag for me. Uh, he just did an interview about one of the, uh, Leeds United players. Um, Martinez maybe? Wait, he was marking him in the midfield. I don't remember who it was, but he was like, why are you running around? And the guy was like, coach just says I should run. And he was like, what, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I just run over here. I run over here. I run over here. And he's like, yeah, I couldn't play for Leeds, man. And like, I know everybody knows because you don't work man and like it's it's really really well, interesting would, that they're starting to show a little bit more effort now well i would than say they did in the i would say like there's something to be said about like movement and like running and, yeah and all this because like guardiola is a guy who doesn't right he doesn't want you to run you know, i'll run as much but like right. the, you know like so like you know someone like um you know, Shelby making that comment can sound kind of, it sounds lazy, but it might be just a sense of, like, John Joe Shelby, like, saying, like, oh, like, you know, maybe I'm a guy who wants the ball to move so I don't have to move as much. Because he's not a guy who is based on moving. He's not a speed right. guy. He's not a huge, he's not a crazy athlete. Um, It'd be tough for him. John Joe Shelby is definitely lazy, but that's a, that's different to the thing that he was okay, saying. Fair, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, fair um, uh, he's one of those guys that, like, sometimes you can you can clearly see he does not track back very hard. <laughs> Who, uh, who's coming up for them? Who's coming up for Newcastle? Newcastle? So we have West Brom. Okay. This um, is a six-pointer. This is a six-pointer. Let me clarify what a six-pointer is. When uh, when we say a six-pointer, we call it uh, is when teams are close to the relegation zone or close to, like, the top of the Premier League, mm. and, and it can really affect uh, positioning at that spot. So we call it a relegation six-pointer. So if you win that game, you push yourself, you know... Six points clear of, of that West Brom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is a, which would be a huge thing. Or um, V of V. If we yeah. lose, they gain three points on us. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a six-point swing because it's against the team that is gaining the points. Yeah. Um, so it's very important. And... Uh, and we are lacking our three best attacking options. Uh, I, I don't know enough about West Brom to have a have a clear, like... I think it's going to be close. I think that Newcastle has been playing significantly better defensively. We've been moving the ball better. I choose to believe in Joel Linton. Um, I think that he, he's definitely... He could have an impact... Uh, I hope Matt Ritchie actually gets some game time. He had a big dust up with um with I did see that. Yeah. Steve Bruce over the week he called him a coward and then he apologized and uh he's still not going to play. Steve's not going to play him for the rest of the year cuz Steve Bruce is a coward. Uh <laughs> so when you even say that. I mean when you get called out to be a coward, you have every right to No, no, I know. I know. Sit someone down. And... I you're right. You're right. You're right. But yes, I mean, look. 
it's I hate that that that's happening right now, and I think it's I think Steve Bruce was put in a position where he couldn't win either way. I agree, and I think he signed up for it and has kind of been. I think he's been really. I think he's done a really solid. I think he's done way better than people want to give him credit for. I'm not saying he's been excellent. I'm like I'm not saying that he's like a genius tactically or any right. of that, but he did get a lot of results for you guys when you needed him, and he has beaten some teams. Really? You know, he did beat Man City at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's it. it what I'm saying is is is. So, what I'm saying is, is that it's not necessarily his fault. No, you no. gotta look at the bigger picture with him. Obviously, we want to, people want to blame him for what's what's happened, and obviously, I do think there needs to be a change of coach after the season's over. I don't think that any reasonable Newcastle United fan would tell you that the problem is Steve Bruce. I think Steve Bruce is generally considered an annoying symptom of the actual problem, which is the lack of ambition that the club very often has and direction the lack of direction and ambition um it's newcastle is not the kind of place where or not the kind of fan base where standing pat is is acceptable and you do get the the diluted newcastle fan base thing that gets thrown at it but like being relegated twice in the last 10 years or 11 years or whatever 12 at this point um, and it's, it has taken a toll on the goodwill of the fans. And that is, that is really ultimately the, the problem. Steve Bruce never had a chance because Steve Bruce is like, got the lowest winning percentage of any premier league manager or something like, but he's been around for a very long time. He's also, yeah, Coached. he's also taken a lot of really bad teams. Too. Right, right. So it's not entirely his fault. I he he is a bit of a punching bag and i think it's not exactly fair but it's understandable because that's oh, yeah, the yeah. job he took okay. um i mean it's like i i know you you disagree i know I, I i understand i understand that i think it's tough to um it's tough to be in that job i think yes, you know i think anyone I agree. who takes that job even rafa i mean rafa benitez is you know he's one of the better coaches in all of Europe. And yeah. he took that job, and, and then he realized, like, this job sucks. Right. Like, he, I won't come back. Yeah, he, as long as Mike Ashley is there, he won't come back. And he has expressly stated, I really like Newcastle United, the fans, the grounds, I like the city, like, I would love to coach there. And he won't do it if, uh, if Ashley is there. And that's always going to be the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Mike Ashley is, yeah. I mean, not a, like, it's hard He's not a good owner. He's, I don't want to call him like the worst owner. I know I have kind of like running off at the mouth a little bit. He's, he's okay. He keeps bouncing us up and keeps like we, right. we drop and then right. we bounce up and, and that's okay. I guess, uh, we we're not in league two, like Sunderland. Right. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what you get. Yeah. And, and that in some cases like that's that's what we have that's what's going to happen that's why newcastle is where it is that's why you get weird decisions with some of the players and why sometimes there's a lack of direction um it's about making money that's fine we're going to be in the premier league we are in a relegation battle hopefully we stay up 
Mike Ashley get some more money. Maybe we get some more players, and we can try again next year to maybe be in, I don't know, 12th. Yeah, I think I think the frustration is that, you know, Newcastle and, and the club, like the, the fans of the club believe that they're much better than 15th or 16th in the regular. Right. And I, like, you know, and I understand why Steve Bruce is a punching bag, because he's a guy that you're you're telling the club that you want to finish 14th or 15th. Right. You're you're you're, you're doing what you can to survive right. instead of instead of taking the chance and like trying to build like a momentum towards something much bigger than right. You. And I think that is the bigger problem and I think that is the Mike Ashley problem. And I understand why everyone hates Steve Bruce because Steve Bruce is saying without saying <laughs> right we're going to finish 16th. We're going to finish 16th. This <laughs> right. Year. And that sucks. Yeah. And that sucks. And the thing is, too, is like you get these moments like you beat a Man City or you yeah. like draw an Arsenal and you play really well and you do all these kind of cool things. You're like, oh, man, like, why can't we do this all we, the time? We could be this. Like, you know, yeah. if, if we tried harder, we could be this. Yeah. And it's and that's not exactly what the club is doing. I think the big thing and the thing that is is not seen because you get a lot of people talking about how the football is is roughly kind of the same as it was under Rafa. Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about it. Rafa was building something. Yeah, he was. He, he was doing he something, yeah. Wanted and he would have done it for like relatively cheap. He wasn't asking for a ton of money. Um it and it felt like he was trying to build something. And Steve Bruce very blatantly is hey I'm trying to get sold and I want to stay in 16th place. And you just have to accept that that's what's happening. I don't know if Steve Bruce, that's what Steve Bruce is doing, but that that's what Steve Bruce knows. Right. That let's, is, let's, I want to make that clear. Because right. Because I, yeah. I think to say that that's what Steve Bruce is doing, like, You're right. you know, because like Steve Bruce is doing the best he can as a manager. Yeah. And Steve Bruce is a relegation fighter. You yes. Know? And so Mike, what, when Mike Ashley inserted him, also it's because... There was no one else that probably wanted to take the job. Yeah, no, it's it's a very unappealing job. Yeah, no one like yeah. all any manager who has wants to be at a big club will never go to Newcastle. No, because Mike Ashley is a complete dick. Yeah, he's an he's an asshole, and even working uh, even with Sports Direct, like yeah. like no one wants to buy from Sports Direct, even though it's still a huge company because yeah. he's a fucking dick. Right, he he's I don't absolutely mean to be swearing, but yeah. No, no, I mean we, I put the explicit tag on yeah. for a reason. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so why, uh, what do you think the result will be this, uh, this week? Oh, God, I. It's going to be a very, very, very tough one-one draw. You think so? You think, I, they'll, you think they'll get the point? Yeah, um, I think that it's going to be. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be close, and I don't expect to be comfortable at all. Um, but I think it's going to be probably. A, one one draw. Uh, if there is to be a second goal for any team, I think it will be West Brom because I think uh, Newcastle is going to struggle to attack. Okay, um, and, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so we had. Did we have another game we wanted to get to? I want to talk to you. Uh, I want to quickly go through Arsenal and uh, their past couple games, and yeah. uh, they have Burnley uh, coming up tomorrow. Um, so Arsenal played Leicester last week, and they were. This is one of their best complete performances I've seen from them in three years, I would say. They uh, they were excellent. They won 3-1. Mm-hmm. And um, they started off really poorly. They came from came their uh, game in Greece, and they looked a little lackluster at first. And then 
after like about the first 10 minutes or so, they started to really control the match and they were moving the ball really well and creating space and creating chances. And I would say, you know, you know, the shots on goal don't necessarily tell the whole story, but they were creating a lot of chances getting the ball, uh, but like 10 yards out and like getting the ball is getting cleared, but they were getting into good positions consistently. They were defending really well. I don't think there was, I don't think Vardy had a single chance. On yeah. You know, and I'd, I'd call the Vardy that trick. Yeah, I know you did. And it was very interesting <laughs> to watch because, you know, um, they, they had Vardy in like, I think it was Stavon Deuce was covering most of the match. And I think Pablo Murray started in that game. He was a guy who started for them. Guess what? Well, solid again. Yep. I'm telling you, he is the guy for them. Like every time he plays, they are so solid and so like consistent. He's only lost one match. Uh, since that the, one match, they've lost one match since he has started okay. against Arsenal. Um, he's been and so they were very solid. Brent Lando is actually the weak link for them. He had, almost gave up a second goal right after they scored the first. <laughs> Um, and his first goal, his positioning was a little off. He wasn't, but after that, they were solid. And he was a good distributor. He did all the things, and he actually didn't have a lot to do for the first time in a while, which was actually really nice. Um, <laughs> which is always a bonus when the keeper gets to watch the game. You're, right, you're um, gonna do okay. There was a little worry about Smith Rowe. He came off early, um, but they found it. They're they're saying it's um, it was mainly a precaution, and he'll probably be out for a couple of games and say there's something going on with his hip, like he has hip tightness or something like that. But I thought. Um, they controlled that match. They had good possession yeah. for the most part. Um, I thought they were in good position all the time. And when they lost the ball, they, it was very rare that Leicester actually were able to play through. I mean, a lot of the times Arsenal would win the ball with like in in their in the middle third for the most part. They had a couple times they won in the, their own final third, but they were very very good in that match. Um, and I think some things have been figured out with this Arsenal team. I think they figured out the players they want, and I do think. Um, I think Arteta's turning the corner with this side. Yeah, it's been slowly building, and I think um, now he's he had William actually played well. William started and played well and played the full ninety and actually got two assists in this match. Uh, what? <laughs> Nicholas. Right? Oh, and Nicholas Pepe was the man of the match. He was excellent for them. He uh, he created uh, two penalties, one which ended up being outside the box, but it looked like a penalty at the time. Created another penalty, which was scored. Um, created a free kick that opened the scoring for Arsenal when they were down 1-0, and um, was the player who essentially made created the third goal, or like started the creation of the third goal. Um, he was excellent. He was all over. He actually uh, forced a substitution from Leicester and from Brendan Rodgers <laughs> at halftime because... Um, the left-sided defender for them just, just couldn't. he couldn't keep up. He yeah. kept on fouling him because he he was just blowing by him every single time he had the ball. Yeah. yeah, and it was just one of those times where you're like, oh wait, has this finally started to click for Pepe? Has he started to figure this out? Because if he has, he is one of those players who will get a lot of goals and a lot of assists for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And if they have him working well and Saka working well, and if Olyan's like seventy-five percent of what he is. At least he's a good substitute to come in from time to time. No, you got and you Obama got the one good William match. Yeah, I know, right? For like the rest of the year, I know. I was thinking about that, but also another guy. He came in for uh, Smith Rowe because he had played most of the the um, the round of thirty two game against Benfica was um, was Odegaard, and he played really well after he came on. And I I do think Odegaard is on the radar, and I think they're hoping. Arsenal that Zidane stays past this year so they can sign him because I think that's that's the guy who they're going to sign. 
they like Buendia oh, and a couple good. other people. Yeah. Um, but I think he, like, Arteta really likes him and he thinks he can be a superstar. And I think if they can get him relatively cheap, I think that will be a, a, a just uh, direction they go. And I do think this is what will happen. They'll sign Odegaard and they'll send back Ceballos. But they might, a Real Madrid might force Arsenal by Ceballos. Because after last week, I think Arteta realizes that Ceballos isn't going to be good enough for Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be a thing. Um, you can you can buy uh, Odegaard, but you have to take you have to take too. Yeah, you have to take both of them. I think that's what will happen. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I think Arteta can live with that if he gets Odegaard. Because I think Odegaard is special. Well, yeah, it depends on how much you're willing to spend for, for Odegaard, because that's going to start getting <laughs> 70, 80, 80 mil. Probably. Maybe not. You might be surprised. It might be cheaper than you think. I think so. Yeah, okay. I, but we'll see. What The combination might be more expensive. But yeah. uh, anyway, um, I want to quickly uh, move on to tomorrow. Arsenal are going to Burnley. They're going to turf more. And this is a game they should win, I think. Um, one would hope. One would hope. I think the way they played last week, if they continue to play that way this week, I think they will win this match. And they should win it pretty comfortably. I want to see a game where they start from beginning to end and win like 3-4-1 or 3-0. And there was not a single chance or single like crazy chance for Burnley to score to create trouble <laughs> for, for Arsenal. And I do think they're on the verge of that. You know, like yeah. they're getting closer and closer to that. I think Leicester game was the first time I really saw that domination and what control from Arsenal in a really long time. And I thought it was a really positive thing. And I, I can't th- help but think that Arteta is the guy to bring Arsenal to the new, to this next era and to create like uh, an opportunity for them to possibly win the Premier League title again and to get back to the Champions League. I think this is a, a very excellent, like this is probably one of their best decisions they've made in the last <laughs> six or seven years as a club. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm really excited about some of the chance, like some of the people they're thinking about bringing in. Um, uh, there's uh, Tarek Lamptey, uh, right back for Brighton. There's also Yves Basuma from Brighton. There's also Angisa from Fulham, who's been talked about recently Angisa. for Arsenal. And I guess Angisa has been one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League this year, yeah. tackles-wise, interception-wise. Um, and he's also an excellent ball player as well. He's actually more talented than Basuma as a ball player. Um, huh. Yeah, which is saying something, because Basuma is a great also yep. a pretty good ball player too, um, but Engis is also a great dribbler and can take people on and can like break the lines with his dribbling. And um, there's a chance either if they get either of those players, I think midfield wise they'll be extremely solid in the center. I think, you know, I still think there's some attacking things that they need to figure out, like who they want to keep and who they're trying to let go. And I think there needs to be another small influx of talent there. But I and I do think they need to upgrade that right back spot. I think bringing Lamptey in, maybe there's a possibility of selling Bellerin. I think he does go. Mm-hmm. But there's been talk, Arteta saying, of like a ch- crazy changeover. So there will, I think you're going to see a huge turnover at Arsenal in the next, uh, in the summer window. I think you're going to see like seven or eight players leave and five or six come in. I think he's been uh, setting up for it, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think he's like had enough time with the squad and he's like, all right, I know what I want now. Let's get rid of these players and bring some in. Everyone over the age of 30 must go. Yes. Um. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, is, uh, do we have any other games? I think the Manchester Derby is this weekend. Oh. So that's a huge game. Do you think United can break uh, City Spell this weekend? They've been sort of struggling recently. If I, so Manchester Derby, I think there's a chance. I think, so I think that Manchester United 
can go. Who's home right now? Uh, I'm checking. Um, I would. I, I don't think it really matters. Not really. There's no there's fans. No fans. Stands, but um, so I think. Yeah, like they they live in the same city. Um, <laughs> it's a home game for all intents and purposes. Um, but yeah, so I think that Manchester United has a chance. They can score goals. They have a lot of attacking talent. Um, Bruno Fernandes has been fantastic, um, and I like to think that they have a, they have a chance to. And it would be delicious, delicious poetry if it's a uh, Man United that stops the bid. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they, they uh, Manchester City is home. They're at the Etihad yeah. on uh, on Sunday. Which well, it will be an excellent match. It's gonna yeah. be it'll because Manchester United will be up for this game. They've looked mm-hmm. a little tired recently. Bruno Fernandez has been excellent. They, I think, they'll be ready for this. They'll be ready. I, you know, Manchester United has the attacking talent to give mm-hmm. Manchester City problems. What I worry about is some of the build-up play for Manchester United. And I, yeah. I think this is gonna be a pretty tight match. But I think Man City's gonna win one nil. I just think they're they're kind of playing that really? way right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I really hope Manchester United win because I would love to see this this streak end, and it would be nice to you know oh. have Manchester United be like, oh okay. I mean, you got right. this title, but we're gonna make this. We're gonna have you wait a little bit longer, which they did three years ago. <laughs> right. Manchester Manchester City could have beaten Manchester United yeah. at home and won the title, and Man they went United up two like, nil. It's not gonna be us. <laughs> not gonna be today. They went right. up two nil. Uh, Manchester City, and then United came back and won three two in the Etihad, and I was like, "Wow, okay." I, I think there is a world where some of the players on that side, the Fernandes, the Edinson Cavani, and uh, you know Martial, guys like that, like where they show up for this. Yeah, and this is their. They're not winning the championship. This is as close as that gets for them, you right, know? Right. And it's a it's a a sort of immortality to be the guys who stopped the twenty one game winning streak. Yeah, you could be that team. I think, you know, it's just I think it would be just great to stop it to, you know, also yeah. put another little thing over. Yeah, like right. Yo. and stuff like but, Couldn't uh, couldn't uh, beat uh, us uh, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. You won twenty one, but you'd back down to one. Something stupid <laughs> like that, you know. That's um, a great. That's a great song. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but yeah, I think that that should be an interesting match. It could be a draw too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could easily be that. It could be high scoring, but I doubt it. Five five draw. Like, yeah, no, maybe, <laughs> maybe or it could be like two one, <laughs> right. a two one match. I think you know Manchester City has been so good defensively. I very much doubt that they're going to give up three goals all of a sudden. Right, um, just like out of nowhere. Yeah, or they could three. have their bad game tomorrow. I mean, yeah. on Sunday, excuse me. That that happens sometimes. The uh, the engine breaks yeah. down for for Pep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So hey, any sneak peeks for next week? The things you want to talk about? Um. I'm trying to think right now. Um. We have a lot of uh, Europe and Champions League games to go over. Yeah. We have the second back. legs. The sec. Uh. We have second legs of some of the matches, and we also have um the first legs of the round of sixteen for the Europa League. Yep. Um. Uh, there's also uh, we were talking about um what were we talking. We're talking about something. Oh, I want to talk a little bit more about the coffee house next week. Um, I want to get a little bit more into like the actual history of Vienna and what it means, and and and, um, and the fact that it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, all of them actually, and why they are. 
uh, today and why they are actually important. They have been revived in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, so I'm hearing we have Europa League, Champions League, another Coffeehouse segment. A little Coffeehouse uh, segment. I mean, I guess I'll come with something. Who wants to learn? You know what? Let's learn something. Not a complete history, but but I'll come with a little segment about a guy called Lionel Messi. How's oh, that? Oh, yeah, Lionel Messi. Let's talk about that. Yeah, All right. That'd be great. Um, yeah. We want to thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Football Cast, and we hope to have you again next time. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>